Welcome to the AR Isada podcast series, a series dedicated to enterprise and entrepreneurship. We will be joined by a wide range of guest speakers who will be sharing their insights into starting a business, their own personal story, and what challenges they have faced and how they have overcome. If you're the one looking to start your own business or have a freelancing career or being into an entrepreneurship, this series is for you. Stay tuned with us to get some amazing tips and advice from our guest speakers. and let's welcome our guest speaker for today a warm welcome to the ar startup podcast my name is omkar singh and today we are joined by jemaima wilcox co-founder of the wilcox collective and neurospicy entrepreneur yes a very interesting terminology which we will be discovering more in detail in this podcast so let's welcome first uh, our guest speaker hi uh, jemima how you are feeling today i'm feeling excellent this is such an amazing experience and being back in the place that i went to university um yeah i'm delighted and very excited to do this with you thank you so much for joining us and i think first we begin about your journey start just to know more about your journey since you left aru mm, so i studied uh, photography uh, and i graduated with the ba honors in 2012 um i left cambridge and moved to manchester to be in a bigger city with more opportunities didn't work out unfortunately got stuck working in a car insurance uh, call center um plodded along came back to cambridge a couple of years worked in various different jobs but still went into the creative and started getting to the concept of doing marketing uh did some marketing freelance and organizing and managing social media accounts for small businesses um and that took me to the job um of a marketing assistant i hated it i despised it it was the organization the people there just did not mesh with me whatsoever and create a business in Cambridge um specializing in working with entrepreneurs and business owners doing headshots uh brand portraits event work um and you know we just kind of went right the agreement would be you'd get a part-time job um and try build the business there and i was very fortunate and where we are right now in cambridge not far away from here at all was a um co-working space called the cambridge business lounge um an office space and i got a job there working with ed goodman um doing social media management for his company alongside doing community management as well so you imagine wanting to go into a be your own business owner but in i i made this fantastic step of being surrounded by other business owners and working with other business owners and then about a year later he comes to me and he says look i think it's time you move on i'm firing you and i was like wow well, no you can't do that that's not, no that's no and it like my world fell around my shoulders at that day but i look back at it now and he's the best thing that ever happened to me was to push me out of my comfort zone and and really work well and we grew the business by doing a lot of networking by being visible um growing our customer base and then in 2018 we started working with um one of our longest customers a summer school and we come to 2019 and me and my husband were discussing about our future together and what we wanted to do we were we were engaged at that point and we both wanted to create something together so we came up with a conclusion that we wanted to create the Wilcox collective and what the Wilcox collective is we're a collaborative um group of photographers and videographers that can come together and help businesses create the visual content they need to stand out in a really crowded market um and so i moved 
shifted away from so much producing and creating to managing and organizing and we'd agreed in 2020 um we'd launched the company we'd he um was working full time and he wanted to you know quit his job and he made steps to doing it through 2020 we noticed a uh, another small business called the cambridge fruit company um run by neil Badwara. Um, and he had to do a massive 360 because his business was delivering fruit boxes to offices and obviously nobody's in offices. So we made him a short video around the content he was putting out on Twitter. Uh, my husband did the voiceover. We gave it to him and said, hey, here's something for you to get, you know, some traction on socials. And it worked perfectly. We got around 5000 views in a week on this one piece of content. So he came to me, and said, you know, you seem to be an expert at what you do. I was like, yeah, we can do that. We've proven this. He asked us to come work with him and a lot of the boxes that were coming through that companies were buying were being donated to local charities, specifically one charity called the Red End Project, supporting um, young families in CB4 area. Now, the important thing about that is um, the Red Hen is a CB4 charity. Neil's company is a CB4 company. Um, and it was supporting CB4 residents. So very hyper local is the Cambridge postcode of CB4. Um, over this time, we want we were getting to around roughly 900 donations from the beginning of the pandemic to Christmas. And we thought it was going to be a really great thing to do was to support these families to have this brilliant Christmas when everything else was pretty dire and pretty horrible around them. So we came up with a feed a family at Christmas campaign and how we helped them was Neil went live on Facebook for every week from the beginning of November to the end of end of it, um, shouting out people that had made those donations for these amazing, you know, turkey boxes with all the trimmings and everything you need to have a wonderful roast dinner. And which spiraled out of control. Like it was so popular that we have biz businesses like Arm and Spotify donating these boxes. And, and was this in COVID times? It's in COVID times. We donated 167 boxes. Yeah. 167 families got a special Christmas that year yeah. from the effort we, we put there. And that was on the power of social media, going live on Facebook, shouting out people that donated. And it just got a lot of traction yeah. from there. So really proud of the work we did yeah. together on that. And then when we wrapped up together, I kind of looked at it and I wanted to, you know, my, my goal in 2020 was to launch the collective, was to start working with larger companies, was to get our creative vision out there and, you know, helping other companies, which we did with Anil. Um, but I was doing the marketing, everything. Now, the collective specifically supplies photographers and videographers to projects. and We manage those projects and we do the visual content side of it and we deliver what's needed to be, you know, outstanding in your field to know what's going on with what you're doing so around June 2021 I'd made the decision I was going to move on and go back and focus on growing the collective um, which I did so and the second thing that was most notable about me working with Neil at the time was using email marketing alone I was helped him generate 25k worth of gross revenue off of um, just doing the marketing side of things as well so I was really proud about that so in 2021, and we were growing the collective, we were testing the concept of sending other members of our team out to events, uh, one of our clients. We um, were able to carry on working with a long-term client at the summer school, which I mentioned. Um, Oxford summer courses provide a two-week 
um, academic-led course in Cambridge for students around the world to come experience what it's like to be an Oxford, Cambridge or London student um, and they are fantastic uh, organisation. They have students the youngest from nine years old travelling by themselves across the world um, up to 24. Uh, and I've been working with them for gone on nearly six years now and our work includes going to um, the end of their their course they'd have a graduation ceremony it's so sweet they get given a certificate and we are there to photograph that certificate being received for their parents or loved ones to to show off and um, we do on-course photography for them as well so going into the marketing stuff and that started off with me going and doing the photography in 2020 um we'd always kept them in the loop about the progression of us from me starting as Jermaine Walcott's photography as as a solo photographer working with them to letting them know about the collective the growing of the collective and in 2020 we had about 20 members at this time of our collective and just to be explicit the collective are freelancers we don't hire these people um as on payroll they are freelancers in their own right but they work as contractors with us in 2020 they said hey you know you've been talking about the collective a lot you've been talking about how many people you've got and how we work working you know we really love you this year to supply all the photographers for all our locations do you think you can do that and internally I'm going oh, oh my goodness wow that's crazy externally I'm going yes of course we can no problem yeah, yeah. we can do it so they were very kind to help prove the content um prove they were very kind to help um prove our concept of the fact that our as a collective we're very scalable um, we can do project management and um, consultancy within our services as well because we're able to provide this team without having to hire them straight away. So what we did in 2020 was we supplied, I believe it was 15 photographers for eight weeks for 38 events in three cities. And that was all managed by myself well, and shoot. I was shooting as well and walking them. So 2020 was like a really monumental year for us to have a, us realise that the collective is quite powerful for our scalability aspect of things. Running on to kind of this year as well, we've grown um, even more. We've, uh, as the as we speak right now, date of recording, we're about to wrap up the second year with summer school again. Uh, but this year we've grown by a third. That's a third bigger than it was last year. So I uh, logged 51 events in five cities with about 20 photographers this year. And it's been bigger. So we've had a lot more, yeah. a lot more challenges to overcome. And yeah, the other things that has been kind of fueling my fire is I am neurodiverse and as you introduced me to I'm the neuro spicy entrepreneur now that's just come around because I'm dyslexic I'm suspect ADHD as well um, and I was given an opportunity to have um, do a speaking um, event called She's Wired Differently, the tales of neurospicy entrepreneur here at Anglia Ruskin as part of the um, arts and sciences community, which was fantastic, super well um, attended. And it kind of made me realise that I've got a story to tell and experiences and I want to inspire other people. So this year we are carrying on growing the collective. We're now uh, 27 members. I think we're going to have to stop that because I can't manage anymore. Um, we're still growing the collective, but what the collective is going to enable us 
is to be able to move forward and start the Neurospicy Entrepreneur Club. And what that's all about is trying to bring together local, you know, Cambridge based entrepreneurs who are neurospicy, who are um, curious, who may not be diagnosed and the friends of them to bring together as a community as well. So that's kind of my story. That's where we are today. So I hope that gives you an idea that, of what that I've has been doing. Been, yeah, that has been incredibly inspiring. <laughs> Yeah, that has been inspirational. Uh, so I think you have mentioned a lot of lot of things that yeah. I have uh, just a few questions on. Sure. Um, so since you graduated, you said you were in the job yeah. and your gradual transition into a business. Mm -hmm. That is something very challenging for an entrepreneur who goes first time into this yeah. sector without any support. Yeah. Was it challenging for you to gradually transit because you have you know you have bills to pay mm. you have other commitments mm. but you have to follow your passion oh gosh at the same time yeah. so how this transition was looking like yeah and what challenges you came across okay so i mean i've always worked i from a young age and my first job was 16 working in marks and spencers doing retail um so i've known i always had to be able to support myself so I'm quite always been fiercely independent and fiercely I can pay my own way so that's always had that mindset of if I want to do something I'll do it and I'll, I'll fund it doing so yeah from your age being able to work the other thing about working is that you then have the decision do you divulge your um your neurodivergence do you tell people about it? Do people connect to? So most of the time I would, and I would get that support. But the pattern bugged me. The pattern bugged me that I was going into. I've had multiple jobs. I've had a wide range of work, from sales assistant to working at Spotify to, um, you know, going as a bike marshal and checking the hire bikes around Cambridge. I've been a very broad selection of work, all customer service, all that kind of things. And to then have that idea that I could work for myself, that I could do that, was opened up by, and I think I I have to be really explicit here, I am a privileged white woman with a partner who was able to financially support us at that time. Uh, financially, we were okay. We're, you know, we're not rich. We don't come from, you know, backgrounds that have wealth but we were able to work hard and, and be able to do what we needed to do so it was encouragement from my partner it was that avenue but the, the challenge is it's such a lonely thing to do you will unfortunately miss these strange little interactions that you have going to lunch with people having water cooler moments standing around the printer that kind of stuff because yeah. you, you will isolate yourself but then that's the kind of exciting part of it is is that as a entrepreneur and a business owner you start building your tribe building your community going to communities picking the communities you want to be part of that you get a lot out of and it helps because you're not alone yeah you are not alone and we find those people you suddenly have that that feeling of of belonging yeah and and very interestingly uh, I, I saw you mentioned about uh, the intersection of dyslexia neurodivergence mm. with entrepreneurship yes how do you see this section so it's really interesting um 
because neurodivergent individuals, and when I talk about neurodivergency, I talk about autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and others, show such great potential for entrepreneurship. Mainly because, as I mentioned, our brains are wired differently. We have certain traits, that kind of thing. So, you know, we have strengths such as enhanced um, problem solving abilities. Dyslexic people are, are very much known for being renownedly creative individuals that will lean towards creative endeavours. Um, and they're all advantageous attributes that are great in entrepreneurial pursuits. And I think, you know, there are a lot of shared talents around neurodivergent brains you know innovation visual thinking attention to detail that contributes so well and i think the intersectionality is, is an important thing to talk about because you know the mod did a specific campaign to try attract more people with adhd and dyslexia to their thing so we are seeing as a massive advantage because we are people that will think differently did your personality traits uh, help you go towards ahead uh, was it helpful or mm. was it something stopping you to mm. not go ahead or was it acting and how is it different to uh, a normal person not being dyslexic okay so i think for me my dyslexia manifests itself with things like words i like us having this conversation now I have a better ability to express myself within the way that I have a verbal communication. If we were having this a text conversation, yeah. over time I have got better. Over time I have using tools and areas to help me uh, express myself succinctly. But at the beginning, trying to get my point across in written conversation was really difficult spelling grammar things like that are my common you know things that i i'm mostly challenged by i've noticed over the time um the last couple of years uh, my co-founder my husband has been diagnosed with adhd uh just about a year ago now so that has been a really interesting journey because for me my my neuro um divergence started when i was around 2025 um and i've lived with it for most of my life i know that it's part yeah. of me i found coping mechanisms i found a way to muddle through and it was such fascination for my husband to in the last year learn what it's like to have an adult diagnosis an adult way of understanding it as well because you mentioned about your personality traits and how it has helped you in growing in your business so it's just uh, curious to know whether the dyslexia neurodivergence has it helped you in being more creative or more different mm. or has it been an obstacle i personally feel like it has made me more creative it gives me different ideas and the way that my brain is wired completely differently i feel like i think differently visually thinking as well so i've always been somebody that has been creative i grew up with parents that would take me to museums and art galleries and my father did a, a degree in fine art in later years and it led me to kind of want to be able to express myself visually so photography seemed to be yeah. the, the perfect thing so things i've done in the past where an example of the creativity that i i've kind of got is 
I love being able to capture a person's personality. So I don't do as much photography these days. But when I have the opportunity to work on personal projects, I will really delve deep into understanding and communicating how we can show this personality in a different way. And past projects have included um, creating photography and, and portraits out of brainwaves and cheek cells and making them really, you know, defined. And I don't know, you know, I can't be 100% sure that my dyslexia is the thing that's giving me that indicator or giving me that idea, but I feel very confident that it's shaped the way my brain thinks, it's shaped the way that I maybe think yeah. out of the box and be a little more different than an average person. What do you mean by portraits out of brain waves? Yeah. <laughs> so we work with an amazing client called Paula Muldoon. She's a software engineer and a the lead in the Cambridge Philharmonic. Yeah. And she's a violinist. Um, and she wanted to bring her violin to life and, and kind of incorporate the violin within her portraits. Um, and part of that was to um, she had this thing called a Muse 2 and it was like a meditation headset, but it was able to export the EEG readings of her brainwaves. Um, we found a way to export this data and then working collaboratively uh, with my husband, he then took that data and then made them into uh, visualizations. So we'd converted her brainwaves into visualizations to then include part of um, her portrait so it was like what we did we actually put them on a score so we scored her brain waves and then included them part of the thing so just to really give her portraits a real interest a real visual kind of curiosity so that's why we like to like push boundaries and, and do things yeah that's interesting mm -hmm. i mean uh, your overall journey so far has been very uh, inspiring in terms of entrepreneurship just going back to uh, your your business your startup uh, how so when you started it, when did you decide to go in a completely a full time business? And what were the one major challenge that mm. you think, especially because you dealt with COVID? Mm. So one, what was the one major challenge that you think it was very tough while going into a full time business? So I built it up over time. So I went part time and I was working three days a week. And then over time, as I grew the business, by word of mouth and recommendations. Networking was a massive thing for me yeah. as well. Networking was huge. I would I would spend four to five days a week, evenings being out and networking and being around. Four to five week. days? Evenings. So four or five day, evenings a week. Evenings, yeah. wow. Going okay. out and yeah. being there and, and networking. It was funny because there was a running joke sometimes. Malenko, I'd go spend time with. Um, we'd be like battling to see who'd done who had done the most networking events that week it was just silly oh wow yeah <laughs> um it's free food most of the time as well <laughs> um but the the kind of tip came where the part-time job i was working in was giving me no joy i i drudgery just i didn't want to do it but it was kind of thing but it was one of those things where you you look at the numbers and you go okay so we know the summer school may come back again next year yeah. We're going to get that work. OK, what other opportunities are we doing? And this is before the collective came into mind. This is before that happened. And it was like going back right at the beginning of being, you know, taking that leap. 
when Ed said to me, like, I'm gonna change your life now, I'm gonna make make changes, you gotta do this. It was taking a leap of faith and making that decision of that's what's gonna happen, that's what we're going to do. The barriers were the fear. It's the fear, am I gonna fail? Am I gonna, am I gonna see what's gonna happen? I think it's a mindset thing as well, that it can be definitely something that can be tried and see how it goes and if it picks up and you've got that that fear you've got an interesting combination of the fear of failure and also having the fire underneath you to succeed so you've got that mixture of Mm. being able to do it yeah and at the same time if it does fail there's no problem with that there's no there's no shame in things failing there's no shame in realizing maybe this wasn't the right time because it's it's not just you going out there and deciding that you're going to go full time what's the economy like is there a desire for your product are you that good that people want to pay you x amount to do the thing or is your product good enough there's a lot of other factors you can't control that you're trying to then look at and take into consideration so if it fails then there's no shame and there's no issue whatsoever of you know going out there and getting a job getting a part-time job yeah. doing some other work as well so it's just having that confidence to make the jump it's having the fear to fuel you to do the jump and it's having that that's why I always say my husband's and my co-founder is my kind of I am the crazy creative i like shiny things and get distracted easily and he's our logical planner you know makes things you know brings me back down to earth and asks me the irritating questions so it's having that realistic view is it going to be working that kind of thing agree Mm. you you mentioned about uh that you you had an office space and eagle labs Mm. now moving into a different one Mm kind of an accelerators or incubators you have been associated yeah. with and you have staffing as a, a freelancer source. Yes. Is there any strategy behind this type of operational things? <laughs> a strategy for us is looking at what's working, trying new things. And if they work, fantastic. Let's review what worked. How yeah. can we make that better? And as I say, if they don't work, fail. Fail hard, fail fast learn about what you're doing and how you can make it better and the more you do that the more routine you get into it i think the more successful you become now the reason i ask because Mm. most of the companies they have traditional operational styles such as having a a physical space Mm. of their own having Mm. their own staff employed but now you're working both ways differently so Mm. now i understand where you're coming from is about trying to be international yeah. And, you know, <laughs> with a yeah. small amount of resources now it's interesting yeah. to say about the resources so I think the collective model is a very interesting one because we base our, our company very much one of our values is collaboration yeah massively when I started the business in photography in the creative worlds there is still a bit of an attitude around that mine you're stealing it stop it I'm not sharing my ideas with you I've had an, a few experiences right at the beginning not so much anymore we based our business on being collaborative, collaboration over competition every time. Yeah. And talking about workspaces, kind of interesting to say about, you know, what success looks like. I think you still can be successful working from home, but we like to be able to kind of 
progress further one of our progressions and our, our markers of success was moving into eagle labs in 2020 um and then them being so supportive and giving us the opportunity to collaborate with them to do the studio space to have that space to bring people in um we're currently as we record this they are undergoing a massive refurbishment so we are still part of their family yeah but we've moved to a smaller space this has actually given us the facility to test what it's like to have our own office space our own studio and we're going through the next couple of months to see what that's like and it's super exciting also quite terrifying because it's me by myself yeah. so we go back to the being a bit isolated but there are methods and things but i think with regards to how the world is now hybrid working is something we're all going to be doing a lot more of moving around different places you know i think that's one thing i i want to achieve the collective is having the facility so as we are now heading to the conclusion uh we would like to know some tips and advice for our aspiring students and graduates mm. who are interested in going entrepreneurship but facing challenges mm. or just thinking of it maybe at a pre-ideation stage mm. who are struggling to find a, a, a space to come out of their whatever they're doing a job maybe and then follow their passion so what tips you would like to share with them i think there's an a very interesting thing to say around the intersectionality of your passion what the industry wants and um making a business out of something as well so kind of looking into that is important to to see if your idea kind of floats is it you know is it oversubscribe are you giving something unique that kind of thing so asking around for opinions is great i think it's very important as well to get real world experience like business like mine um we're looking to expand internally now so we want to bring on marketing people operations people sales people and i think if you are considering doing a career around um entrepreneurship being at a beginning stage to get experience from other entrepreneurs or other businesses as we sit in cambridge now we are the center of the tech universe there are so many um startup companies yeah. around us that i really believe strongly that getting experience and asking for that day in the office to see what they do is how people are going because realistically we see quite shiny media versions of what an entrepreneur is let's get a bit more realistic ideas of what it's like to be working in a business because if you're looking to grow an own business go see what one running is like go see what it happens to do go get into the nitty-gritty and there are many businesses like mine who would adore somebody to come in give us a hand um about experiencing and giving things so that would be my suggestions Thank you so much for your suggestions. I am sure our viewers have found it very useful. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And that was the end of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pumkar Singh signing off.